chapter three of the life of washington volume three by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three arrival of the british commissioners terms of conciliation proposed answer of congress to their propositions attempts of mr johnson to bribe some members of congress his private letters ordered to be published manifesto of the commissioners and counter manifesto of congress arrival of monsieur gerard minister plenipotentiary of france hostilities of the indians eruption into the wyoming settlement battle of wyoming colonel dennison capitulates for the inhabitants distress of the settlement colonel clark surprises st vincent congress determines to invade canada general washington opposes the measure induces congress to abandon it seventeen seventy eight about the time that commodore parker sailed for the southern states the commissioners appointed to give effect to the late conciliatory acts of parliament embarked for europe they had exerted their utmost powers to effect the object of their mission but without success great britain required that the force of the two nations should be united under one common sovereign and america was no longer disposed or even at liberty to accede to this condition all those affections which parts of the same empire should feel for each other had been eradicated by a distressing war the great body of the people were determined at every sacrifice to maintain their independence and the treaty with france had pledged the honor and the faith of the nation never to consent to a reunion with the british empire arrival of the british commissioners the commissioners arrived in philadelphia while that place was yet in possession of their army and are understood to have brought positive orders for its evacuation their arrival was immediately announced to general washington by sir henry clinton who was joined with them in the commission and a passport was requested for their secretary dr ferguson as the bearer of their first dispatches to congress the commander-in-chief declined granting this passport until he should receive the instructions of his government terms of conciliation proposed on which a letter addressed to the president and other the members of congress was forwarded in the usual manner copies of their commission and of the acts of parliament on which it was founded together with propositions conforming to those acts drawn in the most conciliatory language were transmitted with this letter some observations having been introduced into it reflecting on the conduct of france the reading was interrupted and a motion made to proceed no farther in consequence of this offensive language to his most christian majesty this motion producing some debate an adjournment was moved and carried when congress reassembled the warmth of the preceding day had not entirely subsided but after several ineffectual motions to prevent it the letter was read and committed answer of congress to these propositions the answer which was reported by the committee and transmitted to the commissioners declared that nothing but an earnest desire to spare the farther effusion of human blood could have induced them to read a paper containing expressions so disrespectful to his most christian majesty 
the good and great ally of these states or to consider propositions so derogatory to the honour of an independent nation that the acts of the british parliament the commission from their sovereign and their letter suppose the people of the united states to be subjects of the crown of great britain and were founded on the idea of dependence which is totally inadmissible that congress was inclined to peace notwithstanding the unjust claims from which this was originated and the savage manner in which it was conducted they would therefore be ready to enter upon the consideration of a treaty of peace and commerce not inconsistent with treaties already subsisting when the king of great britain should demonstrate a sincere disposition for that purpose the only solid proof of this disposition would be an explicit acknowledgment of the independence of these states or the withdrawing his fleets and armies july thirteenth on the thirteenth of july after arriving at new york the commissioners addressed a second letter to congress expressing their regrets that any difficulties were raised which must prolong the calamities of war and reviewing the letter of congress in terms well calculated to make an impression on those who had become weary of the contest and to revive ancient prejudices in favour of england and against france this letter being read congress resolved that as neither the independence of the united states was explicitly acknowledged nor the fleets and armies withdrawn no answer should be given to it it would seem that the first letter of congress must have convinced the british commissioners that no hope could be indulged of restoring peace on any other terms than the independence of the united states congress must have been equally certain that the commissioners were not empowered to acknowledge that independence or to direct the fleets and armies of great britain to be withdrawn the intercourse between them therefore after the first communications were exchanged and all subsequent measures became a game of skill in which the parties played for the affections and passions of the people and was no longer a diplomatic correspondence discussing the interests of two great nations with the hope of accommodation attempts of mr johnson to bribe influential members of congress the first packet addressed by the commissioners to congress contained several private letters written by governor johnson to members of that body in which he blended with flattering expressions of respect for their characters and their conduct assurances of the honours and emoluments to which those would be entitled who should contribute to restore peace and harmony to the two countries and to terminate the present war a few days before the receipt of the letter of the thirteenth of july congress passed a resolution requiring that all letters of a public nature received by any member from any subject of the british crown should be laid before them in compliance with this resolution the letters of governor johnson were produced and sometimes afterwards mr reed stated in his place a direct offer which had been made him by a third person of a considerable sum of money and of any office in the gift of the crown as an inducement to use his influence for the restoration of harmony between the two countries congress orders the publication of the private letters from johnson to the members of that body congress determined to communicate these circumstances to the american people and made a solemn declaration in which after reciting the offensive paragraphs of the private letters and the conversation stated by mr reed they expressed their opinion 
that these were direct attempts to corrupt and bribe the congress of the united states and that it was incompatible with their honor to hold any manner of correspondence or intercourse with the said george johnson esq especially to negotiate with him upon affairs in which the cause of liberty is interested after an unsuccessful attempt to involve the other commissioners in the same exclusion this declaration was transmitted to them while they were expecting an answer to a remonstrance on the detention of the army of general burgoyne on receiving it mr johnson withdrew from the commission declaring that he should be happy to find congress inclined to retract their former declaration and to negotiate with others on terms equally conducive to the happiness of both countries this declaration was accompanied by one signed by the other commissioners in which without admitting the construction put by congress on his letters or the authority of the person who held the conversation with mr reed they denied all knowledge of those letters or of that conversation they at the same time detailed the advantages to be derived by america from the propositions they had made advantages they added decidedly superior to any which could be expected from an unnatural alliance with france only entered into by that nation for the purpose of prolonging the war after the full knowledge on their part of the liberal terms intended to be offered by great britain with this declaration was transmitted a copy of the former remonstrance against the detention of the convention troops without the signature of governor johnson and an extract from the instructions given by the secretary of state to sir henry clinton authorizing him to demand in express terms a performance of the convention made with general burgoyne and if required to renew and ratify all its conditions in the name of the king all the publications of the british commissioners indicate an opinion that they could be more successful with the people than with congress and not unfrequently betray the desire that the constituents of that body might be enabled to decide on the measures taken by their representatives on the part of congress it was decreed of the utmost importance to keep the public mind correct and to defeat all attempts to make unfavorable impressions on it several members of that body entered the lists as disputants and employed their pens with ability and success as well in serious argument as in rousing the various passions which influence the conduct of men the attempt to accomplish the object of the mission by corruption was wielded with great effect and it was urged with equal force that should the united states now break their faith with france and treat on the footing of dependence they would sacrifice all credit with foreign nations would be considered by all as faithless and infamous and would forfeit all pretensions to future aid from abroad after which the terms now offered might be retracted and the war be recommenced to these representations were added the certainty of independence and the great advantages which must result from its establishment the letters of the commissioners were treated as attempts to sow divisions among the people of which they might afterwards avail themselves and thus effect by intrigue what had been found unattainable by arms these essays were read with avidity and seemed to have produced all the effect which was expected from them among the friends of the revolution october eighth 
the commissioners appear still to have cherished the hope that a complete knowledge of the terms they had offered operating on the disappointment of the extravagant hopes which had been founded on the arrival of a french fleet would make a great impression on a large portion of the american people this opinion induced them before their departure to publish a manifesto addressed not only to congress but to all the provincial assemblies and all the inhabitants of the colonies of whatever denomination briefly recapitulating the several steps they had taken to accomplish the object of their mission and the refusal of congress even to open a conference with them manifesto of the commissioners and counter manifestos by congress they declare their readiness still to proceed in the execution of the powers contained in their commission and to treat either with deputies from all the colonies conjointly or with any provincial assembly or convention individually at any time within the space of forty days from the date of their manifesto they also proclaimed a general pardon for all treasons and rebellious practices committed at any time previous to the date of their manifesto to such as should within the term of forty days withdraw from their opposition to the british government and conduct themselves as faithful and loyal subjects to enable all persons to avail themselves of this proffered pardon thirteen copies of the manifesto were executed one of which was transmitted by a flag of truce to each state a vast number of copies were printed and great exertions were made by flags and other means to disperse them among the people on being informed of these proceedings congress without hesitation adopted the course which the government of an independent nation is bound to pursue when attempts are made by a foreign power to open negotiations with unauthorized individuals they declared the measure to be contrary to the law of nations and utterly subversive of that confidence which could alone maintain those means which had been invented to alleviate the horrors of war and therefore that the persons employed to distribute such papers were not entitled to the protection of a flag they recommended it to the executive departments in the respective states to secure in close custody every person who under the sanction of a flag or otherwise was found employed in circulating those manifestos at the same time to show that these measures were not taken for the purpose of concealment they directed a publication of the manifesto in the american papers care however was taken to accompany it with comments made by individuals calculated to counteract its effect a vessel containing a cargo of these papers being wrecked on the coast the officers and crew were made prisoners and the requisition of admiral gambier for their release in consequence of the privilege afforded by his flag was answered by a declaration that they had forfeited that privilege by being charged with seditious papers october thirty not long after the publication of this paper a counter manifesto was issued by congress in which after touching on subjects which might influence the public mind they solemnly declare and proclaim that if their enemies presume to execute their threats or persist in their present course of barbarity they will take such exemplary vengeance as shall deter others from a like conduct 
thus ended this fruitless attempt to restore a connection which had been wantonly broken the reinstatement of which had become impracticable with the war and with independence a course of opinion had prevailed in america which not only opposed great obstacles to a reunion of the two countries under one common sovereign but by substituting discordant materials in the place of the cement which formerly bound them together rendered such an event undesirable even to the british themselves the time was arrived when the true interest of that nation required the relinquishment of an expensive war the object of which was unattainable and which if attained could not be long preserved and the establishment of those amicable relations which reciprocal interests produced between independent states capable of being serviceable to each other by a fair and equal interchange of good offices this opinion however was not yet embraced by the cabinet of london and great exertions were still to be made for the reannexation of the american states to the british empire even the opposition was not united against a continuance of the war for the object now proposed and the earl of chatham who had endeavoured first to prevent the conflict and afterwards to produce conciliation closed his splendid life in unavailing efforts to prevent that dismemberment which had become inevitable july fourteenth arrival of gerard minister plenipotentiary from the king of france in the midst of these transactions with the commissioners of great britain the sieur gerard arrived at philadelphia in the character of minister plenipotentiary of his most christian majesty the joy produced by this event was unbounded and he was received by congress with great pomp while these diplomatic concerns employed the american cabinet and while the war seemed to languish on the atlantic it raged to the west in its most savage form the difficulties which the inability of the american government to furnish the neighbouring indians with those european articles which they were accustomed to use opposed to all the efforts of congress to preserve their friendship have already been noticed early in seventeen seventy eight there were many indications of a general disposition among those savages to make war on the united states and the frontiers from the mohawk to the ohio were threatened with the tomahawk and the scalping knife every representation from that country supported the opinion that a war with the indians should never be defensive and that to obtain peace it must be carried into their own country detroit whose governor was believed to have been particularly active in exciting hostilities was understood to be in a defenceless condition and congress resolved on an expedition against that place june eleventh this enterprise was entrusted to general mackintosh who commanded at pittsburgh and was to be carried on with three thousand men chiefly militia to be drawn from virginia to facilitate its success the resolution was also taken to enter the country of the senecas at the same time by the way of the mohawk the officer commanding on the east of the hudson was desired to take measures for carrying this resolution into execution and the commissioners for indian affairs at albany were directed to co-operate with him unfortunately the acts of the government did not correspond with the vigour of its resolutions the necessary preparations were not made and the inhabitants of the frontiers 
remained without sufficient protection until the plans against them were matured and the storm which had been long gathering burst upon them with a fury which spread desolation wherever it reached colonel john butler with a party of indians breaks into the wyoming settlement above three hundred white men commanded by colonel john butler and about five hundred indians led by the indian chief brant who had assembled in the north marched late in june against the settlement of wyoming these troops embarked on the chemung or tioga and descending the susquehanna landed at a place called the three islands whence they marched about twenty miles and crossing a wilderness and passing through a gap in the mountain entered the valley of wyoming near its northern boundary at this place a small fort called winter moots had been erected which fell into their hands without resistance and was burnt the inhabitants who were capable of bearing arms assembled on the first alarm at forty fort on the west side of the susquehanna four miles below the camp of the invading army the regular troops amounting to about sixty were commanded by colonel zebulon butler the militia by colonel dennison colonel butler was desirous of awaiting the arrival of a small reinforcement under captain spaulding who had been ordered by general washington to his aid on the first intelligence of the danger which threatened the settlement but the militia generally believing themselves sufficiently strong to repel the invading force urged an immediate battle so earnestly that colonel butler yielded to their remonstrances and on the third of july marched from forty fort at the head of near four hundred men to attack the enemy the british and indians were prepared to receive him their line was formed a small distance in front of their camp in a plain thinly covered with pine shrub oaks and undergrowth and extended from the river about a mile to a marsh at the foot of the mountain the americans advanced in a single column without interruption until they approached the enemy when they received a fire which did not much mischief the line of battle was instantly formed and the action commenced with spirit the americans rather gained ground on the right where colonel butler commanded until a large body of indians passing through the skirt of the marsh turned their left flank which was composed of militia and poured a heavy and most destructive fire on their rear the word retreat was pronounced by some person and the efforts of the officers to check it were unavailing the fate of the day was decided and a flight commenced on the left which was soon followed by the right as soon as the line was broken the indians throwing down their rifles and rushing upon them with the tomahawk completed the confusion the attempt of colonel butler and of the officers to restore order were unavailing and the whole line broke and fled in confusion the massacre was general and the cries for mercy were answered by the tomahawk rather less than sixty men escaped some to forty fort some by swimming the river and some to the mountain a very few prisoners were made only three of whom were preserved alive who were carried to niagara colonel dennison capitulates for the inhabitants further resistance was impracticable colonel dennison proposed terms of capitulation which were granted to the inhabitants it being understood that no quarter would be allowed to the continental troops 
colonel butler with his few surviving soldiers fled from the valley distress of the settlement the inhabitants generally abandoned the country and in great distress wandered into the settlements on the lehigh and the delaware the indians as is the practice of savages destroyed the houses and improvements by fire and plundered the country after laying waste the whole settlement they withdrew from it before the arrival of the continental troops who were detached to meet them to cover every part of the united states would have required a much greater number of men than could be raised different districts were therefore unavoidably exposed to the calamities ever to be experienced by those into the bosom of whose country war is carried the militia in every part of the union fatigued and worn out by repeated tours of duty required to be relieved by continental troops their applications were necessarily resisted but the danger which threatened the western frontier had become so imminent the appeal made by its sufferings to national feeling was so affecting that it was determined to spare a more considerable portion of the army for its defence than had been allotted to that part of the union since the capture of burgoyne on the first intelligence of the destruction of wyoming the regiments of hartley and butler with the remnant of morgan's corps commanded by major posey were detached to the protection of that distressed country july fifteenth they were engaged in several sharp skirmishes made separate incursions into the indian settlements broke up their nearest villages destroyed their corn and by compelling them to retire to a greater distance gave some relief to the inhabitants while the frontiers of new york and pennsylvania were thus suffering the calamities incident to savage warfare a fate equally severe was preparing for virginia the western militia of that state had made some successful incursions into the country northwest of the ohio and had taken some british posts on the mississippi these were erected in the county of illinois and a regiment of infantry with a troop of cavalry were raised for its protection the command of these troops was given to colonel george rogers clark a gentleman whose courage hardihood and capacity for indian warfare had given repeated success to his enterprises against the savages this corps was divided into several detachments the strongest of which remained with colonel clark at kaskaskia colonel hamilton the governor of detroit was at vincennes with about six hundred men principally indians preparing an expedition first against kaskaskia and then up the ohio to pittsburgh after which he proposed to desolate the frontiers of virginia clark anticipated and defeated his design by one of those bold and decisive measures which whether formed on a great or a small scale mark the military and enterprising genius of the man who plans and executes them he was too far removed from the inhabited country to hope for support and was too weak to maintain kaskaskia and the illinois against the combined force of regulars and indians by which he was to be attacked so soon as the season for action should arrive while employed in preparing for his defence he received unquestionable information that hamilton had detached his indians on an expedition against the frontiers reserving at the post he occupied only about eighty regulars with three pieces of cannon and some swivels 
seventeen seventy nine february clark instantly resolved to seize this favourable moment after detaching a small galley up the wabash with orders to take her station a few miles below vincennes and to permit nothing to pass her he marched in the depth of winter with one hundred and thirty men the whole force he could collect across the country from kaskaskia to vincennes this march through the woods and over high waters required sixteen days five of which were employed in crossing the drowned lands of the wabash the troops were under the necessity of wading five miles in water frequently up to their breasts after subduing these difficulties colonel clark surprises st vincent's and takes possession of it this small party appeared before the town which was completely surprised and readily consented to change its master hamilton after defending the fort a short time surrendered himself and his garrison prisoners of war with a few of his immediate agents and counsellors who had been instrumental in the savage barbarities he had encouraged he was by order of the executive of virginia put in irons and confined in a jail this expedition was important in its consequences it disconcerted a plan which threatened destruction to the whole country west of the allegheny mountains detached from the british interests many of those numerous tribes of indians south of the waters immediately communicating with the great lakes and had most probably considerable influence in fixing the western boundary of the united states we have already seen that congress actuated by their wishes rather than governed by a temperate calculation of the means in their possession had in the preceding winter planned a second invasion of canada to be conducted by the marquis de lafayette and that as the generals only were got in readiness for this expedition it was necessarily laid aside the design however seems to have been suspended not abandoned the alliance with france revived the latent wish to annex that extensive territory to the united states that favorite subject was resumed congress determined to attack canada and the other british possessions in north america and towards autumn a plan was completely digested for a combined attack to be made by the allies on all the british dominions on the continent and on the adjacent islands of cape breton and newfoundland this plan was matured about the time the marquis de lafayette obtained leave to return to his own country and was ordered to be transmitted by that nobleman to dr franklin the minister of the united states at the court of versailles with instructions to induce if possible the french cabinet to accede to it some communications respecting this subject were also made to the marquis on whose influence in securing its adoption by his own government much reliance was placed and in october seventeen seventy eight it was for the first time transmitted to general washington with a request that he would enclose it by the marquis with his observations on it to dr franklin this very extensive plan of military operations for the ensuing campaign prepared entirely in the cabinet without consulting so far as is known a single military man consisted of many parts two detachments amounting each to sixteen hundred men were to march from pittsburgh and wyoming against detroit and niagara a third body of troops which was to be stationed on the mohawk during the winter and to be powerfully reinforced in the spring was to seize oswego 
and to secure the navigation of lake ontario with vessels to be constructed of materials to be procured in the winter a fourth corps was to penetrate into canada by the st francis and to reduce montreal and the posts on lake champlain while a fifth should guard against troops from quebec thus far america could proceed unaided by her ally but upper canada being reduced another campaign would still be necessary for the reduction of quebec this circumstance would require that the army should pass the winter in canada and in the meantime the garrison of quebec might be largely reinforced it was therefore essential to the complete success of the enterprise that france should be induced to take a part in it the conquest of quebec and of halifax was supposed to be an object of so much importance to france as well as to the united states that her aid might be confidently expected it was proposed to request his most christian majesty to furnish four or five thousand troops to sail from brest the beginning of may under convoy of four ships of the line and four frigates the troops to be clad as if for service in the west indies and thick clothes to be sent after them in august a large american detachment was to act with this french army and it was supposed that quebec and halifax might be reduced by the beginning or middle of october the army might then either proceed immediately against newfoundland or remain in garrison until the spring when the conquest of that place might be accomplished it had been supposed probable that england would abandon the farther prosecution of the war on the continent of north america in which case the government would have a respectable force at its disposal the advantageous employment of which had engaged in part the attention of the commander-in-chief he had contemplated an expedition against the british posts in upper canada as a measure which might be eventually eligible and which might employ the arms of the united states to advantage if their troops might safely be withdrawn from the seaboard he had however considered every object of this sort as contingent having estimated the difficulties to be encountered in such an enterprise he had found them so considerable as to hesitate on the extent which might safely be given to the expedition admitting the united states to be evacuated by the british armies in this state of mind he received the magnificent plan already prepared by congress he was forcibly struck with the impracticability of executing that part of it which was to be undertaken by the united states should the british armies continue in their country and with the serious mischief which would result to the common cause as well from diverting so considerable a part of the french force from other objects to one which was in his opinion so unpromising as from the ill impression which would be made on the court and nation by the total failure of the american government to execute its part of a plan originating with itself a failure which would most probably sacrifice the troops and ships employed by france on comparing the naval force of england with that of france in the different parts of the world the former appeared to him to maintain a decided superiority and consequently to possess the power of shutting up the ships of the latter which might be trusted into the st lawrence to suppose that the british government would not avail itself of this superiority on such an occasion would be to impute to it a blind infatuation or ignorance of the plans of its adversary which could not be safely assumed 
in calculations of such serious import general washington urges reasons against the plan a plan too consisting of so many parts to be prosecuted both from europe and america by land and by water which to be successful required such a harmonious cooperation of the whole such a perfect coincidence of events appeared to him to be exposed to too many accidents to risk upon it interests of such high value george washington from the portrait of john trumbull colonel trumbull whose portraits of washington hamilton j adams george clinton and other revolutionary contemporaries form a notable gallery was general washington's aide-de-camp at the outbreak of the war for independence and during its progress became a pupil of benjamin west in london the news of andre's execution fastened upon him the suspicion of being a spy and he spent eight months in an english prison returning to america he painted this and other portraits of washington as well as a number of historical pictures including the resignation of washington at annapolis which hangs in the capitol at washington in a long and serious letter to congress he apologized for not obeying their orders to deliver the plan with his observations upon it to the marquis and entering into a full investigation of all its parts demonstrated the mischiefs and the dangers with which it was replete this letter was referred to a committee whose report admits the force of the reasons urged by the commander-in-chief against the expedition and their own conviction that nothing important could be attempted unless the british armies should be withdrawn from the united states and that even in that event the present plan was far too complex men however recede slowly and reluctantly from favoured and flattering projects on which they have long meditated and the committee in their report proceeded to state the opinion that the posts held by the british in the united states would probably be evacuated before the active part of the ensuing campaign and that therefore eventual measures for the expedition ought to be taken this report concludes with recommending that the general should be directed to write to the marquis de lafayette on that subject and also to write to the minister of these states at the court of versailles very fully to the end that eventual measures may be taken in case an armament should be sent from france to quebec for cooperating therewith to the utmost degree which the finances and resources of these states will admit this report also was approved by congress and transmitted to the commander-in-chief who felt himself greatly embarrassed by it while his objections to the project retained all their force he found himself required to open a correspondence for the purposes of soliciting the concurrence of france in an expedition he disapproved and of promising a cooperation he believed to be impracticable in reply to this communication he said the earnest desire i have strictly to comply in every instance with the views and instructions of congress cannot but make me feel the greatest uneasiness when i find myself in circumstances of hesitation or doubt with respect to their directions but the perfect confidence i have in the justice and candour of that honourable body emboldens me to communicate without reserve the difficulties which occur in the execution of their present order and the indulgence i have experienced on every former occasion induces me to imagine that the liberty i now take will not meet with disapprobation after reviewing the report of the committee and stating his objections to the plan 
and the difficulties he felt in performing the duty assigned to him he added but if congress still think it necessary for me to proceed in the business i must request their more definitive and explicit instructions and that they will permit me previous to transmitting the intended dispatches to submit them to their determination i could wish to lay before congress more minutely the state of the army the condition of our supplies and the requisites necessary for carrying into execution an undertaking that may involve the most serious events if congress think this can be done more satisfactorily in a personal conference i hope to have the army in such a situation before i can receive their answer as to afford me an opportunity of giving my attendance induces congress to abandon it congress acceded to his request of a personal interview and on his arrival in philadelphia a committee was appointed to confer with him as well on this particular subject as on the general state of the army and of the country the result of these conferences was that the expedition against canada was entirely though reluctantly given up and every arrangement recommended by the commander-in-chief received the attention to which his judgment and experience gave all his opinions the fairest claim End of chapter three